You're listening to a Whales Are Whales production. You're also listening to Whales. Visit whalesorwhales.com for more projects and shows like this one. person a storytelling podcast this is a bookmark episode about endings in stories i'm your host brian kelly and joining me today are my two co-hosts and very patient people um my brother stephen kelly hello stephen um hey have you guys seen the new hobbit movie and abigail insley hello abigail hey there i have not seen the new hobbit or the old one for that matter i don't recommend any of them I, that's why I haven't seen the old. One. I haven't even seen the third, but I still don't recommend it. Great. I saw the first and never wanted to go back. Oh, you did see the first. You were so wise, Abigail. We went I, back. Yep, we went back. That was one of the worst <laughs> nights of that really? year. Really? Oh, yeah. I still kind of want to see the second, but I didn't want to pay for it. No, don't. If someone pays you for it, I I don't know. Now consider reason, how much you value your time. I don't yes. Know. Maybe I'll just watch the Lord of the Rings. Because, you know, those were actually good. Good. Because you will spend several hours watching it and then several hours complaining about it after. And it's just, (laughs) it gets to be a very big time. So when you factor it all in, you wasted like 18 hours. You know, I apologize to people who like the movies, though. I don't just want to be horribly negative. No, there are are good points. I love the Lord of the Rings movies. Those were fantastic. Right. Oh, yes. Great adaptions of the books. I hated The Hobbit. Oh, my God. (laughs) Especially if you read the book, it's very... Even worse if you read the yeah, book. It's because odd. The book it doesn't decent. It doesn't translate it well. So it's the sad. reason I brought that up in the first place is just because of the, the thematic resonance. Um right. it's nice that there's the big time ending, um, or or so they say, um, that's that's come out in popular culture, and that's exactly what we're talking about at the end of twenty fourteen. That's oh, a good point. Aren't you smart. Yeah, this this is a fitting uh, podcast to do at the end of the year. I'm actually hoping we could do an episode about first acts and openings in stories uh, in for our first bookmark episode of 2015, um, you know, just to keep up this nice role we have of being thematic. Um, but what inspired this idea wasn't actually that the year is ending, but that I recently finished a story I'd been going through for since September. Uh, which is Dragon Age 2, which, for people who don't know, is an RPG that was put out by um, EA slash Bioware several years ago. Uh, I've been playing through it because I'm looking forward to playing Dragon Age Inquisition, which came out recently and decided to give Dragon Age 2 a shot. Uh, And I've been spending the last few months using what time I can spare to get through it, and it took me maybe about like 30 to 40 hours by the end, which is average length for an rpg but i didn't remember it taking me three months to get through one well um, you didn't used to have multiple jobs and multiple podcasts and i uh, know but it's kind of a and hearthstone didn't exist back then when you played the first true. dragon age that that is very true it used to just be you know you sit down for a weekend maybe two and finish something like that out but no it took me much longer than that that said though um it had a fantastic ending and it was one of those games that during the credits i actually spent the time just thinking about the whole story that I had seen over the past few months, which I don't do too often, especially with video games anymore. Um, yeah. Often with video games, I'm like, oh, good, I'm done. That took a little bit too long, and that was a bad ending. Okay, moving on to the next thing. Because video games aren't really known for those stories, and they especially aren't known for their endings. Um, 
I think Dragon Age 2's worked so well because even though it did have problems with the escalation of having you do like a ton of combat at the end and kind of multiple mm-hmm. boss fights and kind of we could do it, a whole podcast episode about video game endings and how absolutely. they specifically they have their own mechanical flaws yes in terms of just how they play and work but the narrative often suffers a lot for it too because you can't end video games in a, in a slow intimate or like unexpected way they kind of always follow this formula because you need to have a whole lot of gameplay or a whole lot of combat ramping up to a big boss or something yeah um, unfortunately i mean some indie games and interesting games are breaking out of that pattern but typically you're going to run into that so anyway, like the crazy car choice, the or sorry, the crazy car chase in the Hollywood format. Exactly, it it very much feels like the same problem Hollywood movies go through, um, and I'm sure we're going to be discussing that with Third X. But I think something that made Dragon Age 2's ending so good is that game to me was a game entirely about its cast of characters. It, the entire game took place in one city. It took place over three years. It followed a small um, party of characters that all felt like even though they were yo your RPG party members, they had their own lives and their own um, motivations and their own interactions with each other. And it felt like their stories were wrapped up um, kind of on their own time throughout the third act. Like one would leave your party at this point and another would have this happen. And it wasn't just like an epilogue that told you what happened to all of them. All of their stories kind of wrapped up in their own individual ways as it was leading to the conclusion. Um, and that made it feel really satisfying instead of it just kind of being a cookie cutter. Okay, let's just run through a quick thing of what's everyone going to do now, now that they all banded together, fought this big threat, and then kind of left. Yeah. Which is kind of the Lord of the Rings model of dealing with characters and kind of what most RPGs have done since. You might have a dramatic character death or two, but it's basically they all move as a unit and then go off to do their own things. And it felt a lot more, at least how I played through it and the decisions I made, it felt a lot more flowing and interesting in what happened to everyone and where it all ended up. So I really enjoyed that. And that just got me thinking about endings in general because that game was on my mind a lot and that I had just finished it the day before I thought up this idea. So it seemed like a natural fit. And it's also something we've all enjoyed talking about a lot in the past. Okay. That's, yeah. I like all of that. Everything you said I like. Oh, uh, wow. Thank you. I can't wait to play Dragon Age 2 and see that ending as well. Once my mm-hmm. new fan arrives from my computer. And I'm yours gonna... might be very, very different than mine. It might so be. So I'm, I'm yeah. really curious to hear about That's it. That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, I, I endings are an interesting topic as far as I'm concerned. The, the part that um, you always want to rush off and discuss with someone. Because right. And then want... the problem is it's really, really reliant that they finish the same thing. Yes, exactly. Um so, I mean, an ending can oftentimes begin at the beginning of a book or a movie, you know, if, right. it's, if, if that book or movie is based on the third, um, the third act. Um, or we, if it's doing like a show you a little bit at the end to jump back in time, like Fight Club type deal. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and I mean, or I Uncharted guess 2 for could, a reference you get. You could call that the third act. You could call it the finale or you could yeah you could call it uh my my personal choice the disappointing part <laughs> i hear you yeah Please preach it preach it brother is i mean it, it, i think that the the third act automatically stands as the hardest act because once you're that invested if you've gone that far then everything you have since witnessed has to be tied up but if they tied up too much it's bad they don't tie it up enough it's bad and they had to deliver on every promise they've made over the entire story yeah let's back up here a little bit and just say what what we're talking about in terms of like third act and where that normally fits in stories like some examples of it 
um, just for people who don't really pay attention to narrative flow and how it really works in most stories. So, Abigail, how would you define the third act, and what are like some examples of good third acts in stories you've seen? Oh my, well, putting you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, and I am going um, to apologize right now. Um, I still have a cold, so yes. I'm going to sound a little weird, and I'm going to kind of do this a lot. <coughs> I'll try not uh-huh. to. Yeah, he's not like trying to make us rethink our points like please restate Um, that point well steven that was very courteous of you to give abigail some time to think um before we we put her on the spot here welcome it didn't do much good the third act i would say is once it's not it's not after the conclusion the conclusion happens in the third act Basically, mm-hmm. you have Act 1, 2, and 3. Act 1 is when the story is getting started. Act 2 is when the characters are really getting into the thick of, getting into the thick of things. And Act 3 is when things begin to tie up. Um, so, you know, if you're fighting the bad guy, that's going to happen in Act 3. If, you know, the mentor dies, that's going to happen in the beginning of Act 3. If, mm-hmm. if there's a car chase or, you know, they're solving a puzzle, that's going to happen in Act 3. So it it can cover a lot, and sometimes it's really difficult to figure out exactly where it's coming, um, at least without knowing some other formats. But basically, you can can just put it to once they start figuring out what's going on, once they start actually acting on a plan to, you know, save the day, depending on what genre you're watching or reading, that's going to be about Act 3. So for Star Wars, for example, that's when they escape from the Death Star, go back to Yavin, and start planning to attack the Death Star. It's I probably Act Three. Do not remember that movie well enough. But... <laughs> Steven, yeah, sure. yes, you could that you could see three. Return of the Jedi as the third act of the entire story. But yeah, I'm just saying for the original movie. Yeah, yeah. if you're looking, if mean, you're looking once, at once they kind of figure out, oh, this is what's going on, and this is the real because pl- what happens is the characters are they're presented with multiple problems that they're going to have to solve throughout the course of the, the story. So mm-hmm. once they figure out the main problem, like there's this one thing that's happening. There's a lot of stuff that happens leading up to it. Once they figure out, oh my gosh, the Death Star is going to, you know, blow up the planet. Yeah. That's when they go, okay, we need to buckle down. The rest of the story is about them solving that one problem. That's Act 3. So for Return of the King, which is already Act 3 of a larger arc, but the Act 3 of Return of the King is like when they say, okay, we need to assault the Black Gate to buy him time to throw the ring in. That's what I would That's Act 3. Yeah, and then all the conclusions that follow. Right. Um, so Act 3 is really important and really difficult as someone who has written a lot of like audio dramas, which are typically break into three acts and a lot of a few small stories and that sort of thing. It's a difficult act because you don't really have much time left to be developing your characters and just kind of creating storylines to go through. You have to be wrapping everything up like it has to be ending things i think one of the reasons that act two is the most fun is because you can just create as many messes as you like you can get all the characters into horrible situations you can you can uh you can start up new relationships and or intrigue or sudden plot twists and you don't really have to worry about cleaning it up until later Um, it's kind of yeah act three is kind of like you know you cook a meal and then you have to clean the kitchen it's a little it's not necessarily the fun part but Um, the problem is for any reader or watcher or listener um that's the part that they really want to work that's the part they want to Mm -hmm. feel emotional about because it's time to end this this adventure yeah people aren't just there to see you technically tie everything up and this is one reason mass effect 3 was such a disappointment for people it it spent most of its time 
from what I hear, I have not actually played it myself, but it's it was concluding this giant arc where people made all these choices, and it spent most of its time just trying to technically say, hey, look, you did that, this happened, look, you did that, this happened, and tie that stuff up instead of deliver a really meaningful payoff to everything. Mm -hmm. So people aren't just looking for you to technically not make things horrible uh, and leave them hanging, but they're also looking for it to actually all make sense and come together. So not only are you having to end everything, you're having to make it all have an actually poignant conclusion. That's exactly what I was about to expound on. Act 3 does not mean ending your story. Act 3 means ending your story. And what (laughs) I mean by that is you can't just be like, Oh, okay. Um, that happened. Woohoo! We're done. You have right. to go back through Act One and Act Two to make sure that everything lines up. Every choice led to this place. Everything makes sense. You answer all the questions. It's not about just finding an end to your story. It's about bringing your story to a natural end. And I think that's why actually, that's why it's it's the disappointing act because a mm-hmm. lot of times. It's hard. <laughs> I'll yep. tell you, it's really hard to come up with a good ending, and I'm not particularly great at it, but I'm great at recognizing it, which is good. It's you have to look through, look through everything, look through your characters, make sure that you know you didn't forget anything, make sure right. that again everything makes sense. And if you're bringing in a new element, this is when I find that most most of the times when an act three sucks. It's because the author brought in a completely unexpected element and tied it up that way. Even if it makes sense, you weren't expecting that. No, yeah, you're. I think I think you're completely right about that. Actually, um, especially when um, well, perhaps yeah, the yeah. natural tendency is to is to surprise people. Mm-hmm. You want to give them one last um, unexpected twist, but that ex- Shyamalan. sometimes those work incredibly well they can but only if the story has been designed for it to be unleashed right like otherwise i mean a a typical um or a famous you could say example of a bad ending is the deuce ex machina which is that idea of just bringing something out of nowhere that solves everything that wasn't really ever it wasn't um what would you say it wasn't paid for the plot like they didn't earn it Mm-hmm. Um, they just brought it out of nowhere and solved everything with it. And that's something Act 3 can easily fall into. It's like, well, I need to make this fresh and interesting. I'll just bring this element out of left field that solves everything, even though it never really had any context in the in the story before this point. Sometimes that can work, depending on the style of fiction you have. For instance, um, please forgive me if I'm remembering The Hobbit incorrectly, but it's been a long time since I read it. I do believe the Eagles are in that one as well. Um, I know they're in the mm-hmm. beginning of the book, but I'm pretty sure they come back in the end as a deus ex machina. When the, the Battle of Five Armies is going on, all of a sudden, um, someone basically comes out and rescues people. Um, I can't mm-hmm. go into more detail than that, because again, it's been so long since I've read that book. But mm-hmm. that's actually something that Tolkien really liked. He loved the idea of deus ex machina, probably because of his, not only his re- religion, just because he was, I mean, he was Catholic, which is a form of Christianity, um, and really, yes, <laughs> uh, I don't, I, yeah, no, you're right. Go ahead. If they're not exactly the same, but I was just, yeah. um, sorry, he was a Catholic and he believed in God. He believed in miracles and that was part of his worldview. So of course, deus ex machina is going to make a lot more sense to him than it would to a naturalist, for instance. Um, mm-hmm. of course there is that element of dumb luck too. 
and that just happened. So you, I mean, if you write the story correctly, it made sense when the Eagles came back. It, you know, it made sense when certain things happened. You may not have expected mm-hmm. it, but if it makes sense, it can still work, which is a yes. really hard line to find because there's some really bad examples of it too. I'm going to bring in a second example, and that would be The Village. I've not seen this. You have not seen it. Do you mind if I spoil it? Nah, go ahead. I've already but, spoiled. Uh, spoiler warning for everyone. <laughs> spoiler warning. I'm about to spoil The Village by M. Night Shyamalan. Um, skip to wherever if you don't want to hear If that. you're listening, M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, I'm sorry. Spoiler um, warning. <laughs> so the way The Village is working, basically, it's about this small village. Duh. Mm-hmm. Um, which is surrounded <laughs> on all sides by these monsters. Uh, people can't go mm-hmm. anywhere. They basically keep to themselves because there's monsters everywhere. Um, there is an accident that happens inside of the village, and this one girl is basically sent outside to go gather supplies from a nearby town, and she has to go through the woods where the monsters are. And it's really scary. It's really, really good up at this point. Honestly, it's a super, super good movie, and I love it. And actually, I don't think I need to spoil it, because if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. But basically, at the end, you not only do you find out what the monsters are, and they were not impressive, but you find out that there was this like strange plot that was happening throughout the entire story as to why everyone was kept together. And it was mm-hmm. some, like, you know, rich people didn't want to be found, or something like that. Like, they were in some reserve in the 1990s even though it looked like it was like the 1800s and like i don't know it was just this really really dumb plot but by the end they completely changed the whole feel of the movie you go away from this like amish feeling to like oh there's cars and people in jeans and you know they're all acting normally they give this girl her stuff and she goes back and then you find out why all this happened and it was just this really out of the blue, like, it hit me in the face. Before I was scared, I was really terrified for the character. I wanted to see her come back safely. I didn't really mm-hmm. need to find out everything, honestly. Right. It would have been right. such a powerful movie, I think, had I not found out everything. Had I just, you know, seen her succeed or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or even seen her die. <laughs> that would have been right. just as powerful. But so and that's another... The good and bad of that. Yeah, that's another great point is that often endings can be too conclusive. Mm -hmm. Leaving some ambiguity can be extremely important. It'll depend on your story and how much you want to bring into it. But one of the worst feelings is just when everything is tied up, but it's not satisfyingly tied up. So you don't even have anywhere you can go in your head with what happens next because Mm -hmm. it's just, yep, that that is the conclusion. It's really boring and overexplained, and it's just there sitting blankly on the page or the screen or whatnot. Um, So I think... Yeah, go ahead. I think when that happens, it's probably because the author is almost afraid that you're not going to understand the ending. Yeah, and that's a big danger. Um, and I've written stuff before that people don't understand. It's always a terrible feeling to write something that you think is really good and then people just don't get it. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a risk you have to take because how much can you play down to the lowest common denominator? Yeah, um, you have to figure out who your audience is and you have to... It's One of my pet peeves is when an author does not value the brains of their audiences i expect my audiences to figure things out and i honestly know who i'm writing for and i have a group of people read through my stuff before i'm done to make sure that it actually played out the way that it should have Mm -hmm. exactly um and something you were talking about before which is that the deus ex machina isn't always a bad thing i really like that point that as we talk about 
certain things that make bad endings or good endings or certain, you know, uh, styles or tricks that aren't good or are. Like, there are no hard and fast rules in storytelling. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really don't want to ever just say, you know, Deus Ex Machina is never good. It can be good, Uh, especially like in humor. It can be hilarious having something completely out of left field that has no... Yeah, that has no real logical basis of ever happening and then just pulling it out. Like, that can be hilarious. It's all a question of how you do it and how it fits into your story. It is just commonly used poorly mm-hmm. um, because it can be a trapdoor, kind of an excuse, a scapegoat of just, hey, uh, okay, this, that solves it, phew, okay, that's, we're all good now mm-hmm. uh, without any actual for, foreshadowing in there. So I just wanted to put that out there. It's a really good point. Um, la- lazy endings is probably the biggest thing we're talking about right now. Um, right. When you misuse something, it's because you it's because you haven't thought very much about the ending. You kind of thought of something and were like, oh, hey, right. that'll fix it. Let's move on. Um, there was some great advice given by S- Orson Scott Card for writing mm-hmm. endings, and he says, take your first idea and throw it out because it's been done before. Now, take your second idea for how this could all wrap up, throw that out because that's been done before. You know, take your third idea, throw that out too. It's probably been done before. By the time you get to five or six, now you're starting to think creatively. Now you're coming to an ending that not everyone's going to expect, but it still makes sense, and you just keep going from there. So it's really yeah. important to to really... Ugh, endings are so important. They really are, because that's not only what wraps up your plot, and if you are you have a message or a moral or just a theme you want to get across, that's what's going to finalize it and put it out there. And also it's what people are going to remember when they leave. Like, typically the ending is what makes someone say that wasn't a good story or that was a good story. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I didn't much care for the story, but they tied it all up together. Typically a positive feeling. Sometimes, even if someone loves the story up until that point, that just makes them hate the ending and thus the entire story even more. Mm-hmm. Because they're like, it yeah. was so great until the ending. Now I hate it even more because they had me and they basically did a bait and switch. And so often the reader or the viewer can just feel betrayed by what happens. And perhaps I I think that I think that the the Deus Ex Machina sure that can definitely be a problem. It's not my personal um the the thing I have uh perhaps the most personal issues with though. Right. Uh, for me, that would be the overplayed um trying to up the ante yes. for the final act. So that's more for the full third act. Right. So give some examples of this being done poorly. Well, um, there's this movie that I watched, and many other people watched it as well, next to me in a movie theater. It was called The Avengers. Joss Whedon had a hand in it, so of course it was a great, witty movie. I loved that movie. It was by far the best superhero movie I had ever seen. Um, And yet, the reason I loved it is not what what was what the ending was composed of Mm -hmm. the reason i loved it was the middle chapter as is Mm -hmm. so often with um with stories it's when the characters were arguing with each other and you had captain america um and tony stark at each other's throats and everything seemed to be falling apart but these guys had to stick together to you know to save the day um there was so much like a subtlety and fun depth in there but it ultimately led up to a very neat and meticulously paced third act where aliens bombarded the city and there was a big, like, 20-minute fight scene. 
and everyone was working together perfectly. They had solved their problems, so there was no antagonism between the heroes anymore. It was just a big Hollywood punch out. And you knew it was going to be okay. The only um the only like point of ambiguity they put in there was a fake death scene, which is also, you know, pretty darn predictable. Right. And there's nothing wrong with big fight scenes. I like those can be fun, but the, I think the truly masterful movies weave those into into the characters. Yeah. For example, let's go back to Star Wars. There was a big awesome fight scene in um well in t- in terms of uh in terms of the time it felt big and awesome um <laughs> between Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader and Star Wars Episode 5. Uh, but the reason that was so awesome was because it was such an emotional clash between or the two characters. Or even more in Return of the Jedi. They had a very long ending like fight montage, but there yes. was that entire thread running through it of Luke facing the Emperor. Right. Um, the ups and downs of the fight also happened yeah. to be the ups and downs of Luke's emotional state. You know? And right. that just harkens back to the idea that every scene should be doing more than one thing. Right. Um, and that's what makes a scene really great. And that's actually, you're right, that's something that endings are often missing. Because in the middle, oftentimes, scenes are doing more than one thing. They're sh- they're showing character while moving the story forward. Like, let's put it, let's go back to the Avengers, and we can use that one movie as the example. You, There was an, another big fight scene, of course. It's a blockbuster, big-time superhero movie. There are going to be fight scenes, and that's great. It would be pretty lame if there weren't. <laughs> but, and so you have Captain America, you know, um, working, like I said, with Tony Stark. Um, and they're they're both doing crazy CG stuff. But they're doing it to build trust while fighting off the bad guys. They're doing two mm-hmm. things at the same time. By the end, they were just fighting off the bad guys. That's all they were doing. You're right. There was, the trust there was, was nothing else built. going on whatsoever. And you could see that as a big payoff for the struggles they had. But so often in fiction, the payoff isn't as interesting as the struggle. <laughs> so you can't just yeah. depend on that feeling of of radness and accomplishment if you're not still building your characters in most cases. At least that's how I feel. Right. And the idea that you mentioned there, the payoff often, I forget how you said it, but the payoff isn't as interesting as the struggle. That is another, I mean, it, it, it ties in with another common rule in writing, which is the idea of in late out early. Um, sometimes endings are just too long. And the struggle really is the most interesting thing. And while you want to see it completed, you really don't need much past that. The story is about the struggle. So once the struggle's over, the story's over. I have seen endings drag on forever. Um, Just because they didn't know when to stop. Yeah. Yep. That's that's an an amazing point. And um, I I think it just goes to show that your third act can't just be there, like kind of like we said at the beginning of the show, to tie everything together. It should be there telling an integral part of the story, the third part of the story. There will still be twists and there will still be conflict and there will still be all the things you loved from the other parts of the story. Um, but you also have to bring it to a, a, a point where things can rest and you can say, yes. We've been through this together, and now it's time to put the book down. S- satisfied, like that's so hard to do. Mm-hmm. But if you man, if you can, if you can manage that, it's just the best so, feeling. What are some examples of stories that have done what you're talking about here, ending well? Um, yeah, I mean, we have spent most of our time 
identifying the the problem spots um honestly just because they're so much easier to see um i would say well just think of a time you've left a story satisfied well first example was yours with dragon age 2 but you said they still tripped up in the third act which is interesting they did they did it was just in terms of how the gameplay worked and you know what the actual action that was going on totally like you couldn't have had a more telegraphed ending yet still be surprising like it was really really good what was going on it was just how long the gameplay went on so Mm -hmm. it wasn't really the narrative that i had an issue with right yeah i think it was well done but obviously i'm not going to go into detail about that because i don't want to spoil it for you but i'm Mm -hmm. curious if you have any endings that you're just like maybe ones that people would commonly know um well i'm just trying to think of the the, uh, books that i tend to go back to the most often Mm-hmm. And the first thing that comes to head to head uh, is the False North Stars. <laughs> oh, False North Stars! We haven't really <laughs> talked about that yet. I knew it was going to come up eventually. The False North Stars is probably one of my favorite books, and it's one of the ones that I come back and read most often. And I am mm-hmm. always satisfied with it. I never feel chipped. And the ending to that one, although I really don't want to spoil it. I would just say that is a very, very strong ending because it does everything that we're saying that endings are supposed to do. It shows character. It it wraps up the story while, I mean, honestly, I would say this, the, the main character, The Fault in Our Stars, goes through different struggles between Act 2 and Act 3. Mm-hmm. Um, act, act 2, she's struggling with herself. Act 3, she's struggling with things outside of herself. And mm-hmm. while her story is still wrapping up, more things are still happening. You know, more things are still going wrong. She's still learning things. They're just things that don't happen to tie into the main plot. So while right. we get to the end, we feel like the story she was telling is over. She still has things she's going to have to deal with. She still has things left unresolved that right. we're not going to be able to see how they turn out. And we just get right to the end of that one. So I think yeah. that was a really, really strong ending. And that was also a strong ending because the whole third act was not wrapping up character development. It was introducing an entire new element to character development exactly. and absolutely still developing the characters. But it was not out of nowhere. It was mm-hmm. anything but. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. It was very telegraphed. Um, so I think that I agree. That was a fantastic, uh, fantastic example. So here's here's the thing we're going to do. I'm going to just name some endings for different stuff with no, um, no personal... Uh, assumption whether they're good or bad and i'm just curious what your guys reactions are to these endings and if you think uh they do it well and to i mean by ending you're talking third the whole third, third act. act all right third act and just whole conclusion so this is going to be an obvious one we alluded to it before and interestingly enough it does almost all of the bad things we mentioned and that is return <laughs> of the king takes too long uh deus ex machina the whole the whole third act sorry, blackgate to end that one like movie is that a good ending I'm not sure if you're movie or the book the or both. Story as the third movie or book you know the they were similar except that the movie cut off cut out the shire stuff and some of the partings um but either one you want to talk about and did we just lose the skype call i heard it oh we're having a problem with the call abigail dropped out of course she did just what you can still hear me yes okay this i'm probably not going to cut this out if it's short so let's just see if we get her back on here I'll turn you down here. <laughs> she was so mad at me for saying that bad ending. I'm going to type to her in all caps. 
That was a complete Deus Ex Machina. It's still recording. Okay. Where do you make notes? It's here. I need to make a note about this one. Uh, Maybe we should try recalling her. Yeah. But I have no idea what to call. Okay. That was, let's see here, where in it? Around hey. 3.30. Hey! Okay. Hello! I have no clue what happened there. That was weird. Yeah, that was really weird. You just you just cut out of the cult in the middle of my talking. I'm so. on Ethernet and everything. Weird. Oh, well, we'll continue. So anyway, I was saying that, okay, so Return of the King is an ending where most of the problems we talked about are present. You've got it going on too long. You've got some amount of deus ex machina with the eagles and all that that people complain about. Um... It does a lot of... It is a very interesting ending that people bring up often. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you guys think about that ending? Book or movie, whichever you want to talk about. I would say for that ending, it does do a lot of things that we don't like. I still loved it, personally. <laughs> Maybe yes. it's because I'm biased. But that was a very different kind of story. At least different than I read. I don't read a lot of epic fantasies, so I don't get a lot of this large scope um, I'm mostly mm-hmm. into the personal kind of YA times, types of stories. Um, yes. But with that one, it seemed pretty realistic to me that a lot of these things would happen. As far mm-hmm. as the eagles coming in, I honestly did not have a problem with that because that world is big. You have no idea what's going on everywhere. You can only see where you can see right now. Right. And I, I did like the idea that, hey, there's a lot of different forces at work right here. Oh, look, we just happen to not know that anyone was there, you know. Right. That's so, true. And people's bigger problem, honestly, is that the Eagles didn't fly him there in the first place. But, place, but we're not getting sense. into that. Ugh. We're not getting into that. All mm-hmm. right. Anyway. We'll have an episode on it. <laughs> so I didn't have a problem with the Deus Ex Machina in that type of story. In a different yeah. type of story, it wouldn't fit. As far mm-hmm. as it going on too long... Yeah, it did go on too long. Yeah. Especially in the book, because it went on even longer than the movie did. At yeah. the same time, at least for the movie, I was still entertained. I was yeah. still wanted to see what happened to them. I was still crying. So I didn't really have a problem with it, although I would not personally write it that way. Well, the thing about Lord of the Rings is it's not a in, what, what do we say, in late, out early type of story. Mm-hmm, like, it has it's a, full a lot of build up, a lot of it is very important to the story and its way of writing. Like we said, there are no hard and fast rules. That peace that they're working for. They are working for a better world in that. Mm-hmm. It's not the type of fantasy world where everything's horrible and horrible things are happening in it. Like, there is very much a world state that people are happy and it is being corrupted. Mm-hmm. So you go through so much effort to get that world state back that you kind of have to enjoy that peace that you got for some amount of time. You have to see these characters wrap up. You have to see Gondor get it to new king. Like, exactly. you don't just want to say, okay, this stuff is done. Wow, wasn't the, weren't, the, weren't there some cool character moments and payoffs? All right, let's get out of here. You kind of want to see the reward that you reap from all this. It's funny that um, so many people complain about the long ending in that, but I bet if most of those stories weren't there, they would complain that the story wasn't done. Right. And interestingly, in the book, it's a little different. I was mostly talking at the movie there, but in the book, the uh, problem... It, like, the conflict isn't over yet. It's not. And I think that's so one it's a reason weird ending. I really, I actually totally agreed with Peter Jackson's interpretation. <laughs> to me, okay, Stevie, you're going to get this more than Abigail, but the Scourging of the Shire felt like DLC. 
<laughs> because you totally did. It felt like, you know, just when you buy an expansion pack to a game and it puts that $8 for that little bit more content mm-hmm. that doesn't quite fit in. And it's like, why is there this little side story? I thought we finished. Uh, I'm not quite sure that worked, but I think it was something very personal to Tolkien. Uh, to me, you wanted to tie up. It's we, we could go into some very deep holes talking about Lord of the Rings. It's quite, <laughs> uh, holes. quite oh. a, an example for you to, uh, to you to bring up first. Yeah. Um, like Abigail said, Lord of the Rings is not like other stories to me. And for me especially, it's kind of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my favorite story, possibly. Right. It's my favorite book. Um, and I'm not looking for the same things that I am when I read other books. Right. Um, I I don't really care about the plot structure. I just want to hear these characters talk and think and wonder and feel what it is like to live in middle earth and relate with the shire and i want to see legolas and gimli say goodbye and joke about the glittering caves i i want all of this stuff mm-hmm. um it's it's more like a cross between a history and poetry and history and poetry doesn't always make sense nor does it always have um a a brief palatable um structure so right. I'm I'm I mean it literally went like years into the future. Yeah. Um, I like I don't I I'm I love analyzing it. I have criticisms for it, but it's I I don't have a problem with the way the Lord of the Rings wrapped up. Even this the the um scourging of the Shire was um special in its own way. <laughs> so that's kind of my <laughs> yeah. opinion. I do agree. I can see why they didn't want to translate that to a movie though. Yeah, no, that would have sucked. Um yeah. I agree with Steven that when when I read Lord of the Rings, I'm reading it like I'm reading a history book. I'm not reading it That's to what say, it was intended, yeah. Yeah, I'm not reading it to say, hey, how is this story going to wrap up? Oh, what is he going to do here? I forget, I mean, as much as the author has a great voice in that book, I forget that he exists, and I'm just like, oh yeah, that happened, and then that happened, and that happened, and that's really cool. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm reading about World War II, or about this, mm-hmm. you know, some other time that's in history. Point. You don't feel like question. someone's crafting it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like irrefutable in my mind. Yeah, it's like saying, man, I just don't think Hitler should have died that soon. It didn't wrap up his <laughs> plot arc correctly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that's something I really, really, as much as we talk about, you know, put the good conclusion in here, make act two this, act three this. I really like when I can't tell what act it is in a story. Yeah. Like, mm. I think to that's... me, when it's unclear what the story structure is, that can, yes, that can be a bad story, but that can also be the best of stories mm-hmm. is when you can't just say this is this, this is this, this is this, but they're surprising you by introducing elements you don't expect to be there yeah. or doing things in their own I way. I actually think that's one thing that I, I do want to talk about uh, briefly early on in the show is even though we're going to be bringing up a lot of like plot structure terms, um, that's really not the way I like to think or write if I can avoid mm-hmm. it. Um, I, I don't like the, um, at least this is just me personally, I don't like mm-hmm. the over-segmentation um, or over-analyzation of yeah. certain plot structures. I it's It can be helpful, but also very destructive to the imagination. Right. Yeah, I found it very similar when writing music is like having a good understanding of musical rules and terms is important. But if you have an idea, do that idea and label what terms and stuff you use later. Don't try to work within terms because... If you're just sitting at your keyboard saying, I'll try a song in A flat in this chord pattern, it's like, 
that's often going to feel a lot more stilted and familiar and rote than if you just think creatively and then use that to perfect and help your idea and analyze other ideas. Rule. And I think the same goes for stories. Yes, rules were made to be broken. You learn the rules and then you do your own thing and figure out how they fit together later. Exactly. Um, so anyway, so uh, Return of the King, I'm going to make you guys do something really annoying and give that ending a letter grade. What? Oh. Letter grade for Return of the King's ending. Oh. Why? Why? why, why? <laughs> I'm just curious. Um, but it depends. It depends on how we're grading it. Uh, well, it's your your own choice. I'm really nervous. Uh, which version? We'll say book. Um, I give it a. Oh. I. I give it an A minus. So go ahead and give it. I'm gonna now. give it a B plus. All right. I give it an A minus just because the last very last bit just gets to me every time. That's like. why I gave it a B plus. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Stephen. A, a, a plus. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to let's let's do a couple more of these. Well, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you need to intro yourself in the next episode. Uh, can I bring one? All right. Can I bring one? Yeah, you go ahead and bring one up. One of my Wait, can, do I have to tip my, my hand if I like it or not? That's fine, okay. whatever. One of my favorite story <laughs> endings ever, Toy Story 3. Okay, Ooh. Toy Story 3. The third act of Toy Story 3. Uh, so, okay, uh, do we think this is a good ending? Yes. Abigail, do you do you remember this? Yes, I was bawling. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought you said it was bawling. <laughs> it was a bawling uh, no, ending. I only saw this once, but yes. Uh, this is everything that we were saying in that when I left, that is the only part of the movie that I remember. Because it was mm-hmm. the most important, it was the most emotional, it was the most growing. Um, you did have characters still growing the third act. Um, just bringing it back to the whole fact. <laughs> what? <laughs> the what? The... Did we I'm see sorry, the same the... movie? <laughs> Fault in our stars. <laughs> I'm so sorry. gosh but you still see it's the same thing where you're you're wrapping up this story you know the the toys get home but Mm -hmm. you still have characters growing andy has to decide that he's ready to give them up you know the little girl gets something the toys have to figure out what life is without being with andy or without being Mm -hmm. you know where they were without with being with a little kid there's a lot of things that are changing and a lot of kind of new elements that are introduced and new problems that are introduced mm-hmm. but there are problems again that have nothing to do with the main plot i mean well okay take that back they have stuff to do with the main plot but they don't you don't need to see them finished you don't need mm-hmm. to see how they end up with the little girl you just need to see that that's the next phase in their life um right. that was a really superb ending in my so opinion. the third yeah so the third act of toy story 3 probably starts out when they plan their heist to get out of the daycare and, and then ends with the end exactly. Um, exactly i would say the best part is that epilogue which is um the bit with andy you know giving away all of his old toys and giving it on to the next generation mm-hmm. before that um i'm curious i think we all agree that was fantastic like that was the way to end toy story i don't actually know if they're ending ending toy story they might be doing toy story 4 or something but that was such a heartfelt moment that wrapped up that like it used the momentum of all of the plot beforehand mm-hmm. with Andy and constantly talking about how they're Andy's toys and use that in a very real, relatable way to tie up the all of their stories. Um, I just think toys. that the 
Toy Story 3 was so brilliant because it took all of those things we've been complaining about and mm-hmm. executed them with such mastery and just loving care that right. it all worked. Like mm-hmm. you very briefly, you had the heist scene. How many movies have just thrown in a heist scene just for filler, right? I know. Um, or not even heist. I should say breakout. Your br- breakout heist. heist it's the same stealing. thing. You're all planning. The security mm-hmm. and you right. have the little You got to look out for the, the cameras. They were able to take all of that and interpret it through their normal humor style of, of toys right. and make it hilarious. It was practically a parody, but so rooted in their own humor. Right. They weren't just ripping off other things and saying, hey, look at how dumb normal breakout to scenes were. To the point were. where it, yeah. it all fits so well into that movie's world and yet could have been its own short film. It was so, you know, funny yeah. and well made. Exactly. That moving into through drama, through treachery, through character, emotion and building the um the essentially trying to one up everything that series had done up to that point mm-hmm. the avengers tried to do the same thing with with the the alien fight with right. them all going to the trash compactor i mean you could have so easily been a a cheesy lame boring giant ball of fire that you know they're going to escape from with the deus ex machina if there ever was one <laughs> giant claw that comes down from the sky and saves them but, mm-hmm. A, they weaved in the villain to that plot. He was no longer one-dimensional. You truly wondered, Gollum-style, if he would save them, and he didn't. Mm-hmm. B, if I said one, I'm now going into the letters. B, <laughs> <laughs> um, the deus ex machina was um, earned because the aliens had become separated, and they're always looking for the claw. Mm-hmm. So that's hilarious. And, and thirdly... And and thirdly, <laughs> the third act of my point, uh, somehow, through the emotion that entire series and movie had been building up to that point, you felt like the toys were actually going to die. <laughs> you actually felt like this was their moment. And there was no joke. There was no crazy explosion running away scene. They all sat there, looked at each other, held each other's hands and accepted death. In a Pixar movie. Those three things together made it so completely, perfectly written and expectedly unexpected that it's it's hard to come out of that scene with anything but, like, rejoicing and, like, relief. And then they dump you to that epilogue you were talking about. By that time, you were so (laughs) emotionally broken down that tying it up all of their themes to that point and relating with adults teenagers and kids at the same time pretty much right. makes that the perfect disney movie mm-hmm. and yep. it's one of my favorite movies of all time the well said that was a good third act of your points thanks <laughs> yeah so and that is how you do a third act everyone just do all right, that letter grade everyone oh sorry <laughs> i give that one an a plus a plus a plus all right abigail let's do one more why don't you go ahead and just Bring up an ending. Any Yay. ending. Yay! I'm about to open that a we've can hopefully of seen. Ready? Yeah. Frozen. Oh god! Oh, no! <laughs> That's the second best Pixar movie. <laughs> this is the That's worst Pixar movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, why did you have to bring up the third act because of Frozen? I okay. I had to bring in a bad example. <sighs> we had two All pretty right. good ones, and this good point. one is a terrible one. 
Yeah. Okay. Good point. <laughs> Good point. Brian, All right. So where to even begin? <laughs> oh gosh, you just you love this. Where does yeah, the third yeah. act begin? The Brian. one power I invested you with <laughs> immediately used to beat me over the head. Okay. So the reason this is so terrible is Abigail and I have discussed Frozen like five different times, <laughs> with me progressively having to admit that yes, it's probably bad in a lot of ways because mm. I'm a person who left the theater really enjoying Frozen. Um, I left the movies. theater twice really enjoying Frozen. Yeah. Oh. Um, and I do still really enjoy yeah, Frozen. it was a really good movie. It was also a really bad movie. But the ending, or the third <laughs> act. So first let's define, where does the third act start? I would say the third act starts... After the trolls? I don't, I don't remember exactly where things happen, but like, you know, when Elsa's in the place and everything's going wrong and whatnot. Okay. That's definitely within the third act. Um, it it's kind of somewhere around there, around her like yeah. transition when you thought she was going to be bad. Yeah, I think the third act happens when uh, Anna starts to die because of when Elsa had hit her with the cold magic. And they're really? all at the trolls and then they realize, oh, wait a minute, she needs help. Bring her. We need to save her. That to me is when the I think so starts. because it's like yeah. the adventures. The trolls were just kind of singing and having a normal good time. No one was really concerned about how we were going to wrap things yeah, up. Yeah, that, that makes point. sense. That makes sense. And well, suddenly okay. everyone was here's, concerned. Here's an argument though: <clears throat> just because no one's concerned about it doesn't mean it's not the third act. It could just be poor writing. Fair point. <laughs> it could start somewhere else. Could totally start it somewhere could. else. But that's where I feel it starts. Okay. That's where the urgency My kicks beef in. with the third act. Oh, I'll try to just stick with the third act on this one. Um, <laughs> It sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Abigail, I brought you on this podcast to be slightly more eloquent. You're just gonna. Okay. Uh... There was a lot of disconnect in the third act of the movie. For one, yes. I felt like it was gonna be wrapped up with this really cool, like. Okay, I'll start with good points. There were some parts I really liked. I did like the fact that, I mean, I knew that true love was gonna save the day because that's what happens in a Disney film. But they did that right. in a very unexpected way. And that, that was, good. was really, really cool. I liked that it was sisterly love. I liked that she, you know, gave her life for her sister. And that was really cool. The first time through, I was so hoping that that's how they would wrap it up that mm -hmm. I kind of ignored the rest of the terrible <laughs> stuff going on. I, I did not like, especially when we go straight to the ending. I'm really going to just talk about the ending here. Okay. They wrap everything up. All of a sudden, Elsa goes, wait. I know how to solve this problem that I've had for my entire life after two seconds and just, you know, decides to start loving everyone or, you know, whatever happened there. It was really strange. And like all of a sudden, like everything just ended so quickly. It's like the entire mm -hmm. movie was building up and there wasn't really this character discovery along the way. It was mm -hmm. a character discovery in about two seconds. Well, I think this is kind of this. The rest of it. I haven't seen all of the studio's work, but that was exactly my problem with Tangled as well, which in my opinion had a horrible ending, which was just, <laughs> like everything suddenly is great, <laughs> inexplicably. See, I like, and I then, think, yeah. what, I think the difference between Tangled and Frozen is that yeah. Tangled showed some of the consequences and Frozen sure. had absolutely none. Like, hmm. all of us What were any consequences? I'm sorry. I don't. I don't remember any consequences in Tangled, but I haven't seen it in a while. Well, they like tripped the lady and she fell out and whatnot. Um, oh. But as far as as far as the Fair way point. that Frozen works, um, I mean, one, it, it, people would not have accepted Elsa so quickly after she went crazy and you know froze the entire town. All of a sudden, she fixes it and everyone loves her. Um, there was this whole yeah. weird plot with this fake bad guy, which wasn't really resolved 
very well. Um, all of a sudden, everybody knew that he was suddenly bad, even though no one knew it beforehand. Yep. Um, there was a really great scene that Pixar, or I'm sorry, Disney could have had when um, like the reindeer or something fell in the water. And to me, <laughs> it's really funny because the reindeer fell in the water and I went, please let him die. Please let him die. This will be such a good thing if he dies and he didn't die. Um. Yeah, and Brian and I were laughing about that on the way back from the theater, I think, where it's like, No! My reindeer! But Pause. <laughs> I'm okay! Oh, great! Let's go on with the rest of the plot! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. It's two seconds of panic. Yeah, <laughs> it was like this useless It was thing. cheap. Like, it was a cheap trick. Don't put it in. Either don't put it in or make it really... Make some consequences happen. And there see, no I, consequences. That, that's exactly... I mean, I completely agree. I love Frozen with yeah. all of my Frozen heart, but uh, the, the, the third act was terrible because for some reason, all of the cleverness and warmth um, and like trend-bucking uh, plot devices they had been using up to that point, they more or less threw out the window, um, not unlike the evil witch fell out the window and tangled, to to um kind of lean on this traditional boring nonsensical um kind of i don't know epic tie everything up ending like mm -hmm. you had er suddenly everything was an action movie everyone was running everywhere mm -hmm. suddenly that that really amazing character um who was who claimed to be in love with Anna but then you always wondered is he really mm -hmm. a villain is he is he taking advantage of her she sure is falling in love fast he just turns into, you know, mustache twirly McGee all of a sudden. And I really like the fact that he was bad. Like, I honestly yeah. like the transition. Yes. They just did it oh, that had so to be. Yeah. drastically. The fact that he was bad was great. Yeah. But they lost all subtlety. They lost, mm -hmm. they lost like, control of the Like, he never even justified why he was bad. He was just like, I'm evil, man. Exactly. I want all, my own boy. kingdom. All yeah. of a sudden, from all of these, like... Like, the the weird, um, different way they were taking it, it all just fell back into there's a villain, there's a dashing hero, there's mm -hmm. the likable an animal companion who doesn't truly die, everyone's just right. running around like chickens without heads, and right. then they all come together for no reason at this one spot, and a deus machina happens. Exactly. And it's like, yeah. then it's over, it's just over. Yeah. yeah, so they introduce, you know, cheap... I mean, they do really every bad thing. They have, you know, one-dimensional villain kind of turn around. They have cheap reveals. They have deus ex machina. They have ramping it up too quickly. I mean, it does a lot of things poorly. Mm -hmm. It and... does a lot of things well, like with good intent. I saw right, yeah. a lot of, a really a lot of plot devices that were really good in that movie. And honestly, <clears throat> I held on the whole time hoping that it was going to yeah. end well. Because I saw so many great deep plots and i actually had a very mm -hmm. similar uh dislike for the movie brave uh there were a lot oh, I never of, saw that. there were a lot of deep plots that happened in both those movies but the endings yeah. were just so disappointing well i think the difficulty with frozen's ending is tangled's ending i like everything building up to it mostly it basically just completely dropped the ball in my opinion like at that final moment in the epilogue which is really short so it was only like a couple minutes that was not good but frozen Dropped the ball continuously mm -hmm. throughout the entire third act. Yes. <laughs> so it's not just like, I can forgive you that one problem. It was just problem after problem exactly. after problem. So none of it really worked. And then they had Olaf melting. They had the deer falling in the, the reindeer mm -hmm. falling in the ice. They had, uh, what was it? Elsa? Someone was getting mm -hmm. like frozen. 
or oh, about to Anna. get hit by a sword or something. Or, yeah. Anna was about. To... No, Elsa was about to get hit by a sword, and then Anna like froze in front of it or something. Right. So they had like three was, different characters, four like different that. characters <laughs> they almost killed, yeah. and then didn't kill any of them. Yeah. Or even had anything negative there happen to no any of them except the villain. And you see, we're so, yeah. we're talking about two Disney movies, both of which have super like warm feeling happy endings mm-hmm. yeah but one of them felt like things could could really go wrong and partially did go wrong and left you feeling a little bit um bittersweet mm-hmm. right like toy story let, left you feeling you have to say goodbye to some things things don't last forever but there's still hope in a different future while frozen although it was trying i think to tell a plot that almost mirrors like crippling self-doubt or depression mm-hmm. and how all you need uh, if you just look within yourself and like oh my gosh i can't believe i had to say this let it go <laughs> <laughs> wow there's a song in that somewhere um, um it, but yeah go ahead I, it, no that's okay it, i was just wrapping yeah. up my point it almost feels a little like because they're tackling such a potentially heavy topic kind of insulting to the actual mm-hmm. problem oh, yeah. of, right. of they depression. They could have done that so well. Um, like, you don't just get over depression and now you're always great. <laughs> exactly. It's like, you're going to struggle yeah. with it. And you're going to continue to have problems. You can't just find the one fix. There's nothing in life that there is one fix for. You're always going to struggle with the problems that come back. And I really, really hated that all of a sudden, after 20 years or however old she was, she figured out, oh, this is how I fix this thing. That my parents probably my should have told me that before. Right? <laughs> there was actually another beef that I had with the ending, which it may not be quite as, I don't know. Maybe it was just me. Um, but there was that moment when Anna was by the fire and Olaf is with her. She's yep. freezing and she's like, Oh, go away. You'll melt. And he says, some people are worth melting for. That was a really, really sweet moment. But honestly, to me, I went, um, why didn't that break the curse? Sounds like true love to me. Um, <laughs> and it was the same kind of yeah, love that she had right. for her sister, and yet it didn't work. <laughs> and Just because he was a lot. Just because yep. he's not the right character. And so it was really right at that point when I thought, uh, hello, Disney, that, that should have, uh, that should have done it. But, uh, but granted, <laughs> Olaf then immediately left, right? I honestly don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that says something about Olaf's secret intent is that he's not actually good. He was just pretending to be good for a little bit. There you go. He, See, they he were thinking the deep. He was the villain. You just never quite got to that point. That's the sequel because Olaf did survive. Yeah, that's probably not actually the case, but hey. Yeah. We can theorize. Uh, all right, so letter grades. Uh, D, D, F. I'm going D. F. I'm going to give good points. the third. Great. The third Listen, F. I would give it F. I would give it F if Kristoff's true love is what saved the whole thing. Okay. I would then give it an F. <laughs> I'd give it a... Oh, man. And that last scene was really bad. Like, everyone was so happy. Was so happy. Like, scarily happy. I have nothing against people being happy, but that went too far. <laughs> when the reindeer gave the carrot back. Oh, It didn't yeah. eat it. It's yeah, just like, D minus. Just eat it. Yeah. It was... I, that was, it was not my pet peeve. Like, <laughs> not even the Ooh. consequence of the, the carrot joke. Like there's No one can be sad. Yeah. <laughs> at all. All right, so D minus D, and what did you give it, Abigail? Oh, I'm still torn between D minus and F. I'm giving it an F. <laughs> All right, so we got D, D minus, and F. A nice little curve there. Yeah. 
It's our, it's our grading curve. We are not, we are not nice professors if you are frozen. Um, all right, and that'll do it, I think, for this episode. That was very fun. I think, I think that was a good topic. I love yeah, it. I was. We ended that. Bittersweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, our third I, act was. I cool give bit. our ending a C minus. Certainly could have been more entertaining. Don't, well, we went on too long. Ended, that's yeah. for sure. When did the third act even start? Oh, yeah. Who am I to preach about endings? I like end every podcast in a rambling, so incoherent stream of words. There is like there that is sentence. That, that common phrase, you know, those who can't do teach. Yep. It, that those who can't do preach. That's the podcasting uh, model. Uh, <laughs> all right. Those who can't do criticize. Yes, exactly. Those who can't do podcasts. It's the internet That's motto. motto. Uh, all right, everyone. You know what we can do is end this show. Let's do it. Uh, because Abigail's running out of battery life on her laptop. <laughs> and we're just past the one hour mark, which, which fits really well. So social media stuff. Do you want to find us on social media? I'm Here, going you, to say you the correct us. names I mean, this time. What? <laughs> Isn't the coughing fit coming out? We gotta be oh, oh, continue. Gosh. Oh no. Alright. Third person show is what we are on Twitter. We're also third person show at gmail.com. You can just search up third person, I believe it's third person a storytelling podcast on Facebook. We have a page. Um you can find there. Yep, that's what it is called. And of course, we are a part of Whales Are Whales, which has a lot of awesome shows like this with awesome people like us. And that is at whalesorwhales.com. You'll see third person there among all the other shows on the front page. All right, I'm done copying. Uh, great. We're also up on iTunes and other um, podcast uh, directories of your choice. Please, iTunes is an awesome place to leave us a review because it's where we get the most promotion. So if you like our show and want to leave us a review, please do so on iTunes. Um, and if you have some podcast uh, repository you use that we aren't on, let us know. We can try to get on there. Uh, for us personally on social media, I'm just on Twitter at Lord Meldor. That is M-E-L-D-O-R-R. Uh, Steven, where can people find you? Uh, I'm tweeting a little more these days, so that's nice. Okay. Stephen Kelly 180 on Twitter. Anywhere else you want people, if they want to listen to you on other shows or something? Um, I don't know. Everything's on Whales or Whales right now. I'm not really doing anything else. All right. Uh, what about you, Abigail? I am tweeting. Uh, it's funny because I tend to get a, a new follower with every tweet, but I am at <laughs> the Thinky Reader on Twitter. Okay. I am also blogging a little bit more regularly now, so if you want uh, to peer into my psyche, uh, you can visit aimlesshyperbole.com. That is my personal blog about just things that are on my mind. Yep. And actually, a peer into my psyche would be a really good blog name. I would actually be. I have so many good blog names, but I can't. I don't have time to write them. You can't make them any blogs. It's like me and podcasts. <laughs> I came up with the podcast idea just today, and it's like, uh, probably can't start another one. Yeah. So anyway, uh, all right, very cool. Yeah, that should do it. So thank you everyone for listening. And great, I need a I need a new outro this this week. Um, Remember Olaf. <laughs> You know, we're going to go with the tried and true one. The end, as Abigail suggested. I win. Mean.